the two things that I think I got out of it. One is that people believe that a charismatic leader changes things. That's one thing that came out of that book. And then the other one is that your business evolves. So it talks about a lot of like how Sony was something absolutely different than it is today. And that's like the evolution in in the other side. However, I'm open to get, if I, if I looked at it differently, I'm open to see it differently. Sure. But maybe we could talk about somebody who just took over Twitter and how charismatic that person is. One of the wealthiest people in the world has tons of businesses. Maybe we could talk about people like Tony Robbins or Gary Vee, or we could talk about Les Brown or John Maxwell. I mean, there, there's so many charismatic people out there that are doing amazing in business. So to say that charismatic people can't be great leaders, I'm not sure. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. I'm excited today. We've got Sierra Lewick, a group specialist. What's up? How you doing? Uh, I'm fantastic. And um, I like to go by uh, group engagement strategist just because not many people actually do what I do. So you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm coming in with the heat. I just had to go through it. Here we go. We help high ticket businesses raise the dead groups in an unconventional way without spending money on ads, cold messaging, or bots. Mm, it didn't have, start you, there, did it? Uh, do you have your mic set to like, what is it, the cardioid setting or something? Because as soon as you went in front of it, your sound got off a little bit. Did you say the Cardi B sound setting? No, cardioid, I think is what it's called whenever it is only it really? does one side. So you stay to one side of your mic and then you go to the other side and it's not as good. I didn't even know that. All right, anybody that's on this po- watching this podcast, what did you say? Cardi, Cardi, what? Cardioid. Um, okay. I think. How that's, long have you know? How long have you known this word? Uh, since I got my blue yeti, like three years ago. All right, so you're not like ten years into this word. You're only a couple. Okay, so I have. To, <laughs> I, have to, <laughs> I mean, is word. anyone in this business actually no. ten years? That into word, it? word will be obsolete in a week. So my mic, you're saying that maybe? Okay, so you can hear that. Mm-hmm. You hear that? Yeah. But go to the other side. Like turn, take your head to the other. I don't know. Well, that side. It was when you leaned in front and then oh, I couldn't probably hear your I was anymore. just close. Probably that was my, my Earl Jones. <laughs> 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 all right, let's put, get some substance into this thing. Here we go. I can tell it's not going to go all the way as planned. I structured the whole thing. All right, I'm going to go back. I'm not going to let you just say group engagement. You have come a long way. We talked earlier in the, in the break room, but the thing about moved is that there's always an evolution. And so one of the things that I did notice is that inside of what you do now is a lot of building and teams and things like that. And I have you as a former community leader at HHB24FA. I'm sure there's more in that, but but doing with groups and things like that, I would think that some of the things that you did in your past, maybe it's leadership and things like that. What are some of the things that when you were younger that you see today as being an entrepreneur that are profound or that were when you were at a younger age? Um, so honestly, my journey on like community engagement strategy started when I was a teenager. Um, I didn't have a name for it back then, like super fancy title or anything, but I actually 
I think I was like 13 when I started going to summer camps. And um, during that time, I would actually, I would actually leave my family for an entire month out of the summer. And I just volunteered. So I didn't get paid for it. I went and did volunteer work and it was at these camps and the camps would bring in all these churches from around the United States and whatnot. And the whole idea was we wanted people to have such a good time that they never wanted to leave. They wanted to share about it. They wanted to get other churches involved because Mm. they wanted this camp to grow every single summer. And then they wanted people to want to come back during the fall. And so I, when I first went out there, I worked in like dumb jobs. Like I, I, I don't want to say dumb because like somebody has to do it. And I'm so thankful for people who do. And I was one of those people at the time. So I was cleaning toilets. I was sweeping and mopping floors. I was working the kitchen and cooking food. I, you know, I also um, worked like concession stands and um, I also helped clean the sanctuary and prep that. And then I also ended up working in the, what's called the PK's kids club or whatever. And it's where like the preacher's kids would be. And we started, I rose into leadership pretty quick. And when I rose into leadership, like it was one of those things where it's like, it was all about the community experience. It was all about how they were connecting. And that was something that I started to recognize being at that ministry and then going back home. When I went back home, like the church that I was a part of at the time, like they had no, they had no connection with the community, like the camp did. And it was one of those things where I was a leader in youth groups when I was a teenager. Um, I did a lot of that, but I always had leadership above me. And I had all these ideas that I wanted to implement. My leadership Mm -hmm. kept telling me no. And it was about the time. What's that? It's like a ceiling effect, right? Where you're like, yeah. wait, I, w- I want to grow. Or you're like, you're the fish that's uh, in the bowl. You only grow the size of the bowl. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that I'm going to bunny trail for a second and go back Let's to go. go back to, um, before I ever jumped into all that stuff, I was actually in dance. Um, I begged my parents for years. They finally put me into it. When they first got me there, they put me in a beginner's class mm-hmm. and in the beginner's class, I only grew so much. Like I was there for an entire year. I practiced as hard as I could, but they were only giving me so much information. And the next year they actually put me, cause I wanted to do competition. They put me in an advanced class with com- competition worthy people and I grew more that year to where did it was like I had been in dance for five years. And so Got it was it. like, it was like you, you, grow you went through that cycle like of growth said. and skill set at the same time. Yeah. So like, yeah, you, you like grew into that. And, and you know what, as we kind of go back to how growing in the community, this is something that I believe and this is with, with kids as well is that was a skill set that you learn that allowed you to, to create function with your body as you grow up, meaning that the ability to move around, you know, hand-eye coordination, like these things are so good for kids, you know? So I think that also your dedication that probably kicked into, were you one of those Well, I was an ADD kid and they're like, throw this kids in some kind of martial arts. And like, it was the only thing that made me focus everything else. I just got kicked out of class every single day, legitimately every day. But if I got into something that was a physical thing, I was extremely focused. Did you find that in dance for yourself? Um, I was always more of a creative type and Mm -hmm. I could focus. I was an only child, um, or at least that's how I grew up, um, discovered I had a half brother when I was 13. (laughs) So long story there, whole other story going down a different bunny trail, but, um, but yeah, I was an only child growing up. And so it was like one of those things where I had to be comfortable 
by myself a lot. And so I grew to love being around other people to find ways to build connection with other people, like little things that I guess a lot of people take for granted, or I take for granted sometimes that people don't know how to do. So I know that that ties into what I do completely because most people don't know how to facilitate a connection Mm -hmm. through text message. Most people don't realize that when they send a text, whatever emotion that person on the other side of the, of the computer or technology, whatever, whatever that person's feeling in the moment, they're going to paint that light on your text message. So if they feel angry, they're going to view it kind of abrasively. If they feel sad they're it's not going to make them happy. If they feel happy, it's going to be viewed uh, with a more positive light. And so I think a lot of people don't realize that because when you're in person, you can read body language, there's little nuances and things that you pick up on that just doesn't happen with technology. Yeah, we definitely, um, during that time, I mean, pulling that together, which I think would be cool. It would be as you, the time that you were back then and you were moving those things, what were some of the mediums that you use? You just brought up text message, but I don't think text message was the thing at the time. I'm not trying to say that it wasn't a couple of years ago. I'm just giving a guesstimate here with more than a couple. That's cute. I'm, I'm totally comfortable with my age. I'm 36. I'm very proud of that. I'm a mom of five. I've been married for almost 18 years. That's amazing. Yeah. So, So, um, what I guess that I was getting is that the medium changed, right? So we're, you're talking about that communication. Did you find that like the foundation of your ability to communicate with people? Cause when you're dealing with like, uh, you're dealing with a ton of personalities when you're dealing with a ministry type environment, there's a lot of personalities, a lot of struggles, a lot of victories, a lot of things like that. As you moved into business sense, what are those same things that you used in communication? Cause you just brought up text messaging. Yeah. So when I was 18 uh, is when I got married. Um, we, at the time we started working with church plants, like local church plants. We also, I started working with local organizations, um, also with like small businesses. We launched our own construction company back then, and we had our own construction company for a time. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Like I even have like this ridiculous story of me as a kid, like six years old, Um, I read this, I don't know, I don't even remember the book. It was a dinosaur book, but it had like this whole like secret code in the back. And one of my friends was like, oh, that's so cool. I really want that. So I like, I took that as, oh, they'll pay me for it. And I hand wrote out all of those onto a paper. And then I wrapped them up and put them in envelopes so that when my friends come, came over, they could pay me 25 cents to get one. I sold nothing. Nobody wanted any of them. So lesson learned, (laughs) build what the market actually wants. Um, Or maybe you're just in front of the wrong people. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, or perhaps it looked like a little kid did it on a free piece of paper with uh, free envelopes. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to go back in time and ask myself. You just, your audience was too intelligent. Your audience was too intelligent (laughs) at that age. Perhaps, perhaps. So then, so as a, and and I'd like to kind of give you, so you you dove into some construction and you you guys had a construction company. So there's, there's a lot of learning in that process. So now that's, you know, because we're going to work, make our way to the internet, right? So yeah, is- well, so yeah, if we, if we pull it back in and reel it back in, I'm, I don't know, maybe it's your, your vibe and your energy. That's making me want some bunny trails so much. I don't know. And maybe Let's it's go. the Red Bull you're drinking. I'm just like living vicariously through you right now. Oh man. All right. <laughs> let me, let me have to meditate some more. I think. <laughs> no, no. So 
so back into the construction, like we, we had that business for almost 10 years. And we also, again, we were helping with church plants, like helping churches get planted in new communities. And one of the things that I started recognizing on both sides, uh, whether it was business or it was small organizations, or it was churches is that there would be like one church that had been there forever was already very well connected in the community, but it was small. And no matter what they did, no matter what gimmick or hack or marketing strategy that they tried. And you know, churches don't have a very mm -hmm. big budget. So mm -hmm. obviously they weren't spending a lot of money on advertising, but no matter what they tried, they would still stay small. Like they just couldn't really grow. Their mm -hmm. only hope for growth was like people having babies and then the babies wanting to stay in the church as they grew wow. up. Yeah. Um, so That's then you have these other churches that would come in and like, they would, they would just build this mega church. And then suddenly it was like, they were growing like a wildfire. And I started studying that at that point. Um, my son is my, my second born. He's about 14 years old when I was pregnant with him. Um, I actually jumped into the online world. Facebook groups didn't exist at the time. Mm -hmm. And so we jumped into cafe mom. Um, and it's kind of like a Reddit style forum. And I was admin over a lot of groups there. I saw the exact same thing that I saw in local communities where you'd have two groups start essentially at the same time. They were like due date groups or something like that. They would be for the exact same thing, but one of them, no matter what they did would stay small. And the other one seemed to grow like a wildfire. Mm. And so I started studying this. I started figuring out like, what were the differences? What were the nuances? And I started adminning over several groups. I ended up getting sponsorships. We found other ways to monetize. And that's kind of where my growth journey started. And when we crossed over to Facebook, initially, everything kind of died because Facebook groups in the beginning kind of sucked. Um, yeah. They're better now. Um, yeah. Facebook has sunk literally millions of dollars into making groups better and communities. I, and they started people. advertising that about like a, was it a year ago? They were it was about a year and a half ago. They started just saying, let's push the actually Zuckerberg came out. It was before metaverse. It was right before. Yeah, or yeah it like was that. before it was before metaverse. It was actually before COVID really hit here in America. Um, because I remember that Super Bowl before COVID mm. hit. Um, that Super Bowl, they sunk $3 million into a Super Bowl ad for Facebook mm -hmm. groups specifically. I remember that. Yeah. And, and so as they transitioned, as you're going, coming into what your specialty is, um, as you go through that and you started to see this, you, you started to realize that people are wanting to then build communities online. And that was what you connected together. Is that where your aha moment came? Um, I actually joined and jumped into, I was already, I was already building communities. I loved it. Um, so it was just something I did very naturally. And, um, I started helping out with, um, again, with local organizations and small businesses. I was giving my services away for free because I had this really strange belief in the beginning that if I just did a lot of really great work, somebody would eventually be like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I want to pay you to do this. That's not actually how it works. You actually have to ascribe value to yourself first and start charging first before people decide that they want to pay you for it. Otherwise, people will choose your value for you. And it's usually not very much. Let's dive into that a little bit more. That's a great um, subject. So what you're saying is that as people go out there and want to give away their stuff, people will pull forever. Is that where you're getting at? They'll take forever. So I like to, I like to think of it like, like, if you already have an offer and you're already charging and you already have clients, there's a lot of value you can give for free. That's mm -hmm. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for the people who haven't even taken the time to build an offer yet. 
And I don't know, like based on your listeners, like who's, who's listening to this, who, who's hearing our voices right now? Is it people who are more established in business already, or is it people who just haven't even taken the time to build their own offer yet? Who do you so think is listening? So there's two different sides. Cause there's an evolution of the entrepreneur. So I think that we sit on two different sides. One is, I think some struggle to starve would be a very honest statement. Right. Um, and then the others are looking at momentum in the next phase of momentum. And so, um, I think they already have an idea of what they want to sell. So what I found, and I could talk to the pain point of this, and I could talk to just my experience and what I went through when it was a struggle, or I could talk to like what actually has pulled me from the struggle into it. And I think, yeah, I think that 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 part's really cool because I think um, future polls are always pretty cool because then you're looking at something that you can go get. Um, yeah. Some of that so, other stuff is inner work, right? So when I decided that I wanted to start charging and have a business for the first time, and for anyone who's listening, who hasn't had a 10 K month in their business yet, everything until you get to 10 K months consistently, everything is mindset. It's 100% mindset. You think it's marketing. You think it's sales. You think it's fixing your offer. You think it's your messaging. It's not, it's completely mindset because you're not putting out the right message because of whatever's going on in your mind. You're not making the offers because of whatever, whatever's going on in your mind, but that's always what it is. And I've worked with more than 250 people on structuring out their offers and building out their marketing message to get it validated for the first time. Um, it's always been mindset. That's it. So, uh, that being said, (laughs) That being said, what I recognized for me, because when I started, I actually jumped into a program and I mean, is it cool if I just name names of stuff? I got you back. Let's go. If anybody's got a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to, it's actually going to be good. Um, So I jumped into, uh, maybe you've heard of traffic and funnels. It's one of the reasons why I moved to the Nashville area, because that was the mastermind. I was flying out here like every single month to visit their events. And I was like, you know what, babe, this is like a rent payment. Every time I go, why don't we just move out there? And he said, yes. And I was like, all right, score. <laughs> um, oh, is that the story that you pulled your way out there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that being said though, whenever I jumped into traffic and funnels, they had a program called client kit at the time and client kits very different than it was a couple of years ago, but it was the first place where I realized that I could charge and one of the biggest things that I got from that program was accountability partnerships. I was surrounding myself in the atmosphere of people who were used to collecting lots of money all the time. So I began to think like them. I began to talk like them. And then I recognized about a year ago that I was starting to surround myself with people who were at the same level that I was instead of finding people who could pull me forward. And so when I started surrounding myself and those were the people I was hanging out with all the time, and those were the people I was like partnering with and collaborating with and all of that, I recognized that I was causing myself to stay stuck because the way that they operated their business and the way that I operated my business wasn't built for scaling. The mindset Mm -hmm. there wasn't built for scaling. So I started surrounding myself again and started searching for like who has the gap fillers. And I put myself in a new environment with people who were much further ahead than I was. And um, that is one of the number one catalysts. So if anyone listening here today gets anything out of this, like nothing else, this is the only thing you get put yourself in an environment of people who are where you want to be. I think that that is, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, you try to explain it to people. 
Um, and it's almost, I always talk about the jungle book because <laughs> you watch Mowgli go into the jungle and he's kind of just this human. And the next thing you know, it, you see this person, he's now part of the jungle, right? It's like you become your environment. What are some things, and this is something, because I can, I can tell you've seen this so many times. I've seen it a lot too. And I think that there's some things in this conversation of what does the word mindset really mean? And I'll just throw mine one side of it. And I think one of it is how you look at things. And I know that I like it's that. the word mindset, but it's really how you look at things. And I think there's another one that is how you let things go. Interesting. And so one of the things that I found kind of through this process is that people have this thing that they're holding on to and they can't let that go and they can't, which doesn't let them just kind of move forward, but they also don't see it the same way. Like, so for example, and then maybe you have some, you know, things that you've seen as well, but the, but the example is like, <clears throat> if I've never been in business before, then when I go and service somebody, then they're not happy with my work. I'm not prepared to understand that there's 10 customers that includes maybe how much it's going to get to be in business, like for the month. So not every customer is going to be mad at you. But if you have never been in the phase understanding that people do get upset with you, that's what business is also about, then that mindset shuts. You don't understand that that's part yeah. of it. What are there areas in mindset that maybe you'd see as more detailed? Like mine would say, you got to let sometimes people's opinion go and keep trucking. And that's maybe part of a mindset. What maybe for you? Well, when you're talking about like letting go, um, I feel like there's so many things that, um, so it, it's, it's funny. We haven't, we haven't mentioned anything about it on this, but like, there are so many things that come up in life that could hold you back. And for me, one of those things that could have held, held me back happened geez, my son was 11. So like three years ago, um, we were sitting in our, and this was before I launched my business. We were sitting in our living room and all of a sudden I hear behind me because my son is cooking brunch in the kitchen. He has such a giving heart and he would like gets up and cleans in the morning, does a chore, does all of that is in the kitchen cooking brunch for everybody at 11 years old. And my daughter, who's a year and a half older than him starts saying, Hey, Israel, are you okay? Like, did you hurt yourself? Are you okay? And I was like, Hey babe, can you go check on that? And so he gets up and goes in the kitchen. He's like, everything's really quiet, but I can hear some commotion. So I get up and I go in there and it's like eerily quiet because I look over at my son and my, my husband's holding his hands over the sink and my son is not even reactive and his hands looked like egg noodles. What had happened was while he was cooking, it ended up that he had a focal seizure. We didn't even know he was having seizures. Wow. And he picked up a hot pan with his bare hands and his fingers and palms had second and third degree burns. And in, in that moment, it was like, almost like time stood still. And then suddenly he came to, and he realized his hands were burned. And before he was like sitting in front of the stove cooking. And then all of a sudden he's at the sink and he's like freaking out and screaming. Um, we get him to calm down. We end up taking him to the hospital. Um, it's funny because what was happening with the seizures wasn't as important as taking care of his skin because he could have lost all of the feeling in his hand. Yeah. So they ended up bringing us in for testing. They got him in on some medications because of the seizures to try and prevent that, because apparently that can get really bad when you're going sure. under and coming back out of anesthesia. Yeah. And, um, he ended up getting a couple skin graft surgeries before we found out 
and realized that the seizures were caused by a brain tumor. And it was in those moments when he was taking medication and the medication was making him his depression amplified. And when he couldn't use his hands for anything, when he like, he couldn't even hold a remote to watch TV. He couldn't hold a pen or paper or whatever to draw or write. He couldn't even hold a book. He couldn't play on the computer. Like a lot of kids like to do. He was actually really active, like to go outside with his friends. He lost all of his friends. They started making fun of him. They're jerks. Kids can be jerks sometimes. Yeah. Um, like he couldn't, he couldn't do anything with balls or like riding bikes or anything with wheels where he could get severely hurt because he could have a seizure at any time. And so he lost like everything in his life that brought him joy at the time. And it was in those moments where I was having to rise up and be that motivational and inspirational speaker for him that I started recognizing, you know, I, I was not pursuing my dreams. I was not doing the things that I wanted to do. And I was sitting here telling my kids they could do and be whatever they wanted. And I was, I was going into my closet and crying and then coming out and like, just being that positive person for them, but not showing them with my life. And I recognized that I was allowing this stuff to hold me back and nobody would have faulted me. Everyone would have supported me. Even I, if that happened to somebody else, I would be like, cool. I'll help you make food. I'll help clean your house. I'll come over. Yeah. Like you need somebody to watch your other kids while you go do this with your, yeah. with your kid. Cool. I'll be there for you. I would support sure. other people like that. And other people were supporting me like that. But at the end of the day, when I laid down and I was putting my head on my pillow, and even though I had my husband next to me, I'm stuck in my own thoughts. And I'm like, you are not showing them and you are not doing everything that you know you could do. And it was in that moment that I recognized there's going to be stuff that could hold you back, but it doesn't have to, you get to make that decision. And so whether it's somebody in your family has something ill happen or you're sick, I mean, look at, look at all the people who have like severe injuries and then go out and do amazing things. Look at people like, um, oh my gosh, her name just slipped my mind, uh, blind and deaf, and then ended up writing an amazing book. What was her name? Oh, um, <laughs> how, do, yeah. how does that even happen? How does that I even was caught happen? up in how your story? Now you're going to take me to Jeopardy. I wasn't ready. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, if you you're had, listening I was... to the podcast, you just need to like <laughs> respond to the podcast and comment and tell us, or come back on Facebook somewhere, find us and come tell us. Um, I can't believe that I did that live on this while we're recording. Um, but, but the whole, the whole principle is, is that it's actually the painful moments and it's actually the things that could stop you when who you really are has the opportunity to rise up and bloom and blossom. I I said it recently that, um, peace is not meaning that struggles aren't happening. Peace is not meaning that bad things still aren't coming. Peace is when the bad things come, the storms happen, the struggles happen, and you'd still have confidence and whatever that confidence may be that you're going to make it through to the other side or that you have support there with you or that you maybe you don't have support and maybe you're like on your last leg and you feel so alone that there's somebody out there who's feeling just like you that made it through and that you can also make it through and that there's just hope on the other side and that um I think one of my favorite sayings is from Les Brown and he said you know yeah, it's like that. you just have to believe that it's possible 
Like you don't have to believe that it's actually going to happen or it is like, you'll hear a lot of people, since we were talking about mindset, you'll hear a lot of people that say that, you know, it's like, oh, we'll say I am this, but in the back of your mind, it's like, you know, that's a lie. Your subconscious creeps up. And I find that using the words it's possible allows your mind to start making that transition, to start looking for the ways to make that stuff happen, to make it through to the other side. And anyways, um, <laughs> no, that's good. I think one thing that would is super valuable because I think that, and this is something that I try to pull back. Cause I, I think that the story of like everything you're saying is so key. It's like, you literally just said, I ran into all this opposition, but I still chose to rise up. That's really what you did. And the thing is, it sounds motivational, but in the, what you're really saying, it was really kind of crappy. I mean, it, I'm not yeah. saying that it wasn't your experience, oh, was, but you're it saying- It was terrible. It yeah, was terrible. It, like mm -hmm. my son ended up, he ended up having to have two more skin graft surgeries um, after that, um, he was in the worst pain of his life. His very first skin graft surgery. Um, he couldn't even fully extend his fingers and he had 92 staples. They didn't do stitches. They had staples. So he came out freaking out, looking like Frankenstein. And I mean, like a kid having to go through that, that sucks. And I'm sitting here, like just kind of dying inside as a mom, because like, mm -hmm. what can I do? Yeah. You know, there's literally nothing I can do to make his pain go away. The only thing so I can do So your decision is to be was to be him. a good example. <laughs> right? It happened later. It took me two months. It did. It took me two months. But like after two months, I was like, you know, I, I could sit here and just like suffer and just allow that to just and just mourn or I could get up. And it's like, you know what? Life goes on. And I mean, at the time, I honestly wasn't sure whether or not he would be there for another year or not. And I was like, if, if something happens, what do I want my life to look like? And I'm so thankful that he didn't die, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like, he ended up having to have a brain surgery. And mm -hmm. I was jumping into like circling back to what I mentioned before about traffic and funnels two weeks after his brain surgery is when I joined client kit. Okay. So now, now you're learning with pressure. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're learning with pressure at that time. Once you started to kind of do that, I think I, maybe we could shift this in, in a way that, that works out. Right. And that is, I think that it's, I, you read books. I have a whole library, a bunch of books all over the place. And everyone always comes down this weird mindset thing. Right. I just read this um, book. It was the fast lane. And at the very end, it was two chapters and literally is like everything I just told you makes no sense if you can't figure out your mind on how this thing works. And I think it's so funny. It's almost like here's a beautiful car, but if you don't know how to drive, it's absolutely irrelevant. So my question for you, because you've also this, you, you gave away the number over 250 business owners that you've worked with. Let's talk about one of those things that mindset is because it's actionable. And I think that that's something that people underestimate is that you have to take action. You can't just think about stuff. This isn't think about it. I guess it is, but you better go do something. So what are one of those things that in this community of groups, be a little more specific, where do people give up early? Um, give is up it, early. So in this, so if, we're going to have to describe that situation. Perfect. Here we go. I'm a storyteller. See how I can do here. I wrote this down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so someone starts a group because they want to create a community. In that group, you start to build a community. You get one person, you get two person, you get nobody that's saying anything in your group. 
that's where mind starts, starts to kick in. So at that point, where's that actionable piece because you're building a business that you would suggest that would be combined with that. I believe in myself. What is, what is one of those things at that point? Um, so if you're in the beginning stages of building a group and you have more than two or three friends on Facebook, your group should be more than two or three people. <laughs> Just as a side note, you're not going to have, you're not going to have a really great group that's highly active and highly engaged with less than a hundred people, just because most people aren't on Facebook every single day. So it just like, doesn't even make sense to have that expectation. Um, I think a lot of times let's do this in business. When people are launching groups or starting groups for something, there's these really high expectations for, um, numbers, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense. It's like, it's like building out, building out a funnel and expecting like hundreds of people to buy, but you're not putting it in front of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. They have these unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of like how many people should be engaging or how many people should be. Yeah. Because you're expecting two percent. They don't have a volume. Yeah. Two, you don't, 2% closing ratio is very difficult on three people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, but that's a great example of mindset because what you just shared was like your expectations is a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people have unrealistic expectations. And so people will come in and they'll say, they'll say, you know, it's like, well, I don't know what's possible. So I'd really love to, I'd really love to hit, you know, a 20 or a 50 K month. But if I could just make $5,000, I'm like, that's like one client. What are you talking about? And, and that goes back to what I was talking about before, about how your environment is everything. If you're surrounding yourself with people who aren't used to selling higher ticket products, you're probably not going to sell higher ticket just because you just don't know how, you know, it's the same thing. Like, um, real estate people are used to slinging around numbers, like in the hundred thousands and millions, like that's just normal for them. Maybe go, if you're brand new to high ticket, go hang out with some real estate people talk numbers with them, see what it's like for them. Just like elevate your mind, elevate your way of thinking, elevate what you know is possible. Because a lot of times it's what you, your, your expectations of what's possible that's holding you back. So it's like, if you don't yeah, believe like that, that mm -hmm. several hundred people will attend your next event, you're not going to hit up several thousand people to attend the event because you don't believe it. You know, it, if you only think 30 or 40 will hit, hit up your event, You'll probably only reach out to just enough people to get 30 or 40, 30 or 40 people to show up. And then that's who will show up. And that's how much money you'll make. If you want a hundred thousand dollars in a month, but your expectation is you can probably do 25,000. I guarantee you, you'll get really close to 25,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At that. Um, so I guess that the mindset would also be that at that place, there's a grind in there. Because if you're going to, you got to go, you got to go find those people. You got to go meet them. You got to make conversations with them. You got to get to know them because you got to, I don't want to use the word convert, but you have to attract them into your style or what you're doing. Your, of your, yeah. um, I, I like to use the words like in, in the top of your funnel, I like to use the word visibility. They just need okay, to know perfect. you exist. Like and then, and then you just need to nurture them because I'm a mom. So nurturing is second nature for me, but then you yeah. just need to nurture them. And as long as you're nurturing them, it's like having a garden and sowing seeds. So you sow the seeds and then you go water it and let the sunlight hit it. Make sure no weeds are growing around it. Like then you just tend your garden and then your garden gives you a harvest. It's like, 
It's like, it's not even like magic. It's just like science. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because the society that we're in with just quick text message, meet somebody, you can block them, you know, the dating apps and all those things. We so quickly forget, like if we were in a small town, you would only like you would have to converse with people slowly like, oh, hey, I knew your grandmother. How's she doing? OK, I'm leaving. I got to come back. Oh, I met your brother. And then slowly but surely there's like this trust factor that happens. And so in that nurturing, I guess the mindset would be basically from what I'm understanding here as well from you, it's just like, it's going to take you to get to a hundred people in that member, have the mindset to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and then from I mean, there, it's, it's actually, I like to do it because I'm, I come from a, you know, my husband was in the military for like eight years. So I come from like that militaristic background. It's like the very first thing that we would do when we're setting targets or goals or anything like that, or we're planning something in the future is we get that 30,000 foot view. A 30,000 foot view doesn't mean you dive into all the weeds. You just get, what does the vision look like? Okay. Once you get what the vision looks like, then you can backwards plan. Then you can start mapping out all the steps that it took to get to the vision. And then as long as you stick to it and follow through and don't waver from the path, it's going to be really easy to get there. You just have to decide how you want to get there. Because I think one of the other things that this is a mindset thing that a lot of people don't recognize and that holds them back is that there's always options. And so it's like they either have too many options or they don't have enough options and they don't realize that options exist. Um, the people exactly. who don't realize that options exist are the people who have my heart the most, because there have been so many situations, like in the situation with my son who burned his hands, we went to the burn surgeon. And then afterwards we went to a regular rehab center. Mm -hmm. They were not specialist in anything. They were, you know, generalist. generalist and sure. so he ended up having to go in for a second skin graft surgery. He was in so much pain, still couldn't fully extend his hands. So they had to do another surgery so that his hands would fully extend during the surgery and put new skin. And I mean, they're pulling the skin from other parts of yeah. his body. So it's painful. It sucks. Absolutely. Yeah. And then after the second time, when we came back in and he had been into the rehab center and everything, um, the surgeon was like, you know, I think I'm going to refer him out to a hand surgeon. And I'm like, why didn't you do that in the first place? Like if yeah. I had known that that existed as a mother, like screw insurance, I would have been all over that. I would have been like, cool, I will pay out of pocket so that my son doesn't have to go through Absolutely. this pain. Absolutely. And when we got into the hand surgeon, they only did one hand at a time. So he could still use his other hand, which was super freaking cool. And then she was like, she was like, okay, cool. And after the surgery, we're going to refer him out to a hand therapist. And I was like, there's another expert for that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those moments where it's like, there's most people just don't even know that there's experts who can help. Them. I get and, caught up in that all oh the time. Oh my gosh. This goes back to the whole like technology stuff that we were talking about before is that like with the information overload and all this technology, it has like muddied the water so much that people can't clearly see what they need. So they're just like grasping at straws and trying everything. I think one of my favorite things to say is you ever heard the, like throwing up this throwing spaghetti at the spaghetti wall to see what sticks. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. So with entrepreneur brain, it's like you grab one bowl of spaghetti. Cause you're like, Ooh, that's a good idea. And then you throw it at the wall to see what sticks. And while you're waiting to see what sticks, you grab another bowl of spaghetti. You throw it at the exact same spot on the wall and it starts yeah. knocking down all this spaghetti that was sticking. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like, okay, the one, the one that's sticking the longest is the one I stay, but this one's sticking a little bit. <laughs> you're like you that one's sticking a little bit, but no, the, the new spaghetti knocks down the old spaghetti. 
Yeah, oh, you know, that's right. Like, like, and then you're trying something new and that's knocking yeah. down the other stuff. And you're like, well, you know, the, the original stuff didn't stick. So I need to go try this other new thing. And you're throwing that. And it's like this never ending hustle culture and hustle cycle. And it's like, there's better ways. So what about, and I got one more for you. So now we've taken somebody um, with a great story added to it. That there's diversity, there's, um, uh, you know, uh, objections everywhere. There's diversity. There's all these things. Now you have somebody that grinds through the mindset, has an action plan. So I got to get to hundred. What if somebody has a group and they've abandoned that group, kind of like an old puppy that they really liked. And then it got old. And then it's just like, I don't hang out with the dogs as much. You know what I mean? How'd I do? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope this doesn't offend dog owners. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like, you're like, no, I hate And you know what the worst part is? Old. Everybody gets offended with puppies, you know? So I'm really messed up here. <laughs> well, my point was, is that puppy grew up. And when that, when that puppy grew up, it wasn't as cute. You know, it's the way it is. And that dog had to go home somewhere or no, it's actually, this, it's just hanging out in the backyard because I'm like older now. And like one of my, I don't they know, had I nothing to do with that. the next 10 years. Okay. Anyways, I am done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Look, I'm I've kidding. learned one thing about relationships, you know, when to go, no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, I guess what my point is the resurrection of the old group that you've had and you have maybe a thousand people, you put in the effort, you did all those things, and now you have a group. What, do you, what are some things you can do to get those people to reignite? Yeah, I, I love a good dead raising. Did That's I pull one of my favorites? How'd I do with that analogy? Did I pull this in? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, well, how did he do, guys? You know, where, where can they? Hey, the engage, puppy. Hey, stop. Where can the they engage back die. on a podcast episode? Where do they do this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Are there like comment sections down below a podcast? <laughs> You know, by the seventh comment, it's going to be like, Jason Starbuck hates puppies. And in the 12th <laughs> one, he's killed three, 13 puppies in his life. It's like, guys, no, all I want to know is about the group. <laughs> yeah. So, so whenever you're trying to raise a group from the dead, um, there, there's a couple of mindset things that come up. First off, people are wondering if their target market's even in there anymore, or if it's even worth it. Like I'll actually see a lot of people who are like, I just deleted everybody and I'm starting a new one. And I'm like, that's like deleting your email list. Like, why would you delete your email list? That makes zero sense. Like, these are all people who were interested in something that you had to offer before. Like you have, I mean, if nothing else, you have an entire network of people that you could reach back out to, to re-engage. And there's several different things that we do. Um, Initially, I do a little bit of one-to-one -one strategy, um, but honestly, one-to-one -one on my hierarchy of the levels of leadership and marketing, one-to-one uh, -one is number three, one-to-many is number four, and what I call like critical mass or buzzworthy is number five. And so a lot of people get stuck at one-to-one -one or one-to-many, and you can actually have that in different areas of your business too. But I digress. That could be a whole training in and of itself. Um, whenever you're doing raising the group from the dead or reviving a dead group or something like that, um, start with a little bit of one-to-one -one outreach, just get those people to like re-engage back in the group, let them know you're doing something new, make some kind of cool announcement, and then actually plan for something cool in the group, because if you make an announcement and then don't do anything, I mean, it's kind of like, um, the boy who cried wolf. I don't know if you know that story, go Google it. I'm not going to tell yeah, it, we do. <laughs> but, yeah, um, we do. 
but it's like, you don't want to become a liar. So like, go do something cool, plan something cool, invite people to come back in. You'll get a lot of people who do. Um, one of the very first things that we do with all of our clients is we make sure that inside of their group, they're getting other people to post as quickly as possible whenever they join the group or they're reviving the group. Because if you can get other people to post, you can get other people to engage with each other. And it's like, you're building this um, same way that the algorithm does your, it's like the psychology behind it. You're training people to mm -hmm. want to come back to the group. You're training people to be comfortable with posting. You're training people to engage. That's what, I mean, my, my strategy, I just got told the other day, I was talking to, um, another person who does marketing to come in and do some done for you stuff for my team. And, um, and she was like, she's like, yeah, usually the people that I work with, their stuff isn't as complicated as yours. And I was like, complicated. It's not complicated. It's all templated. And it makes it super easy. Like all my stuff for my clients is just plug and play. Like they don't even have to think about it. And, um, apparently, yeah. Um, what we do on the psychological side is really complex. There's a reason for everything. I don't explain every single reason in every training. Thank God people would probably like cry or I don't know, stab their for their eye with a fork, <laughs> but, um, everything we do is very psychological. So if you can just get people to engage from the moment that they come in, like that's going to be one of the biggest factors for how engaged your group is not just a month from now, not just three months from now, but actually like a year from now. Yeah. Because people There's are going to say this is how we start things or how we finish things. Yeah. I like that. And so when yeah. you get them in the group, get them immediately to try to post something and that maybe post your city, post anything. And then that's the first round of engagement though. Right. I mean, that's what it is. They basically, it's almost like yeah. getting someone to buy something a second time. If you can get One them of the to biggest say hello mistakes to the group. I'll see, I'll see a lot of people who are business owners who start a Facebook group is that inside of their group, they'll drive traffic away from their group away from the community. So they'll be uh, like, Hey, go yeah. to this website over here. Hey, download this over here. Instead of driving people back into the group, like it needs to be like, I, I mentioned critical mass, um, which is actually like a scientific term, but what it is, is it's basically like all these, all these things come together, this, it builds up a ton of energy. It reaches a critical mass point and it explodes out. And that's where it starts spreading like a wildfire is when that happens. And so you have to have the people keep coming back for more, which I think Facebook has done very effectively, which makes it the best platform right now for building communities. You're not going to find that on any other platform. No other platform draws people in and brings them back as much as Facebook and Facebook will market your group for you by sending your posts to the members and keep mm -hmm. driving them back to the platform. So why wouldn't you want to use a tool that's doing a lot of the work for you? It just makes no sense. And, and, and in your, um, I would assume that this would be it, but in, in your side, do you look at it like they should have an experience or do you like the idea of they come there for, for just information? What are some of the ones that you see are most successful? Is it, is it an actual experience? I mean, like with the board behind you, you got LFG behind you, you've got hearts back there, you've got cool background, you've got yourself, so you, you'd give an experience, I can already tell. So in that, that part is part of your, your style. Do you like to encourage that? So people, you know, is the group, should it be that experience? I mean, is that how it should be? Or can it be just so I out. build, I build all of our strategies off of, um, maybe you've heard of Tony Robbins, six basic human needs, but mm -hmm. like, we don't, when I work with people, we're not just building it. And there, there are other groups that make a lot of money. And if that's all that interests you, great. 
I have several people I can send you to if that's all you want to do. If all you want to do is use your group like a webinar platform, I know some guys that are amazing with that. If all you want to do is just throw in some affiliate offers or do some low ticket stuff, I know some people who are incredible with that, people who have like massive, like million member groups and stuff, and they know how to build up a lot of buzz around other people's products. You know, if you want to just do like a launch, um, which has a lot of traction in the beginning, but then dies immediately after, and you, you are cool with just popping up groups like that periodically. I know some people who are great. They're amazing with that. Um, but what we like to do is base it off of Tony Robbins, six basic human needs and give people a reason to want to come back to the group give them a reason to want to check back in. So we like to give them certainty where they know that things are like, if they come to the group, they know exactly what they're going to get from it. They know how they're going to feel when they're there. They know who they're going to find. They know what kind of caliber or quality that they're going to get from the group. We like to give them uncertainty. So they have some excitement because there's different new things popping up all the time. They never know. Mm. They never know like, what's that spice? Like variety is the spice of life. They never know what they're going to get there. We like to make them feel like they're contributing to something, giving them that sense of contribution. Like they matter, like they're the hero, like not me. I don't want to be the hero. I can help a lot of people, but if I get stuck in that hero mentality, like I'm going to be miserable because there's going to be some people who don't show up for themselves and I'm going to try and drag them across the finish line. And then I'm going to stop giving of myself to the people who are helping themselves. And that sucks. You can't, everybody wants to rewind that. that. I want you to go back and just listen to that again. Cause that's gold. It's so true. And okay. I'm gonna let you keep going, but that's a really (laughs) good one. It's a good one. Yeah. So if you're listening on the podcast, like rewind it now, go back and listen to that like three or four times and just let that sink in for a minute. Don't be, don't be the hero, help them be the hero of their story. I actually have a new client that just started in the last week. And I really loved what she said. Um, I asked her a question and I said, why does it matter? We go through this exercise. Every single client gets to go through like a diagnosis call with me where we diagnose what their brand's movement is going to be. And we walk through a series of questions. So I asked her this question. I said, why does what other people think about you matter? And she was like, she was like, I wish it didn't. And then she started saying, you know, it doesn't really matter what they think about me. It matters what they think about themselves after they are with me or after they hear something from me, how do they think about themselves and how do they feel about themselves? Yeah. And I thought, I thought that was one of the most impactful ways of phrasing it is that it's like, you're not supposed to be the hero. You're supposed to help them be their hero and the hero of their story. And you're just the guide. You're like, what was it? Obi-Wan Kenobi or something. <laughs> You're the guide. He's kind of a hero though. I'd have to give him hero status, you know. <laughs> He's Obi-Wan. I'm You're not Obi-Wan. a Star Wars guy. You're my so only not... hope. Um, <laughs> but but the, the concept, the concept still remains is that we really want people to feel that sense of love, that contribution, that sense of connection from mm-hmm. the group. Because mm-hmm. if we can give them fulfillment, it basically turns into like an ethical cult (laughs) where people love it so much. They never want to leave. They love bringing in other people just like them. They actually enjoy being sold to. It's an environment that people just love so much. That's essentially what we want is we want to help people become the hero of their story and give them the things that are going to help move them forward. And so a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, 
it, it's human nature that's been going on for a long time. We have rotary clubs, you have BMI, BNI, BMI groups, you've got um, uh, small church groups, you've got a lot of those things. So we naturally want to cultivate. And I think that one thing that you said at the beginning of this, which I thought brought around was so good was one of the groups did good and the other ones didn't. And that kind of goes back also, if you've ever read a book called Good to Great, and that yep. book talks about charismatic leaders, you know, and it's always like part of my personality. I just like to have a good time. I also work really hard, but I'm all, I read that book and I'm, it says most good businesses aren't done by charismatic leaders. I was like, dang it, I got some more to learn here. But anyways, but my point was, is that as you go through that, as you're going through that process, you're not, can, can I pause you before you go before you, will you remember your thought? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Because I want to, I want to flip that mindset and I, I would love for you to not think that ever again. I don't, I, I didn't actually finish reading good to great. Um, sorry guys. I started to read it and I got really bored. Um, <laughs> my, my husband and I were reading it together and we switched to a new book. I, I just got really, really bored and I know it's got great information it. in it. I've What's done that? it three times. I've only audio booked it three different times from California or from California, Vegas, three different times. So audio booked it, but yeah, I will try I to audio book it. I will try that the thing we that I think it, was cool and I was about. like, if I could listen on two X speed, maybe <laughs> you're right. It is monotone. It is. And it is, it is very, the whole book is like that. The, the two things that I think I got out of it. One is that people believe that a charismatic leader changes things. That's one thing that came out of that book. And then the other one is that your business evolves. So it talks about a lot of like how Sony was something absolutely different than it is today. And that's like the evolution and on the other side. However, yeah. I'm open to get, if I, if I looked so, at it differently, I'm open to see it differently. Let's, so yeah. let's, let's talk about a few charismatic leaders that are in power right now. Right. Okay. Um, so I won't, I won't mention somebody whose name rhymes with, um, one old, dump or whatever. I won't mention that person, but that person's extremely didn't we, charismatic. Didn't we earlier talk about being able to make fun of last names? So I think you're good. You're good either um, way. Yeah. So we won't mention, we won't mention that person who's no. incredibly charismatic and has risen into leadership in so many different areas, sure. but maybe we could talk about somebody who just took over Twitter and how charismatic Very that true. person is. One of the Very wealthiest true. people in the world has tons of businesses. Maybe we could talk about people like Tony Robbins or Gary Vee. Or we could talk about Les Brown or John Maxwell. I mean, there, there's so many charismatic people out there that are doing amazing in business. So to say that charismatic people can't be great leaders, I'm not sure. Um, um, the I mean, book, I'll only pull myself back in my statement. And that is this. It says that the definition of a great company does not lie on a charismatic leader. And so what they did is they took years of guy, I think it was IBM and all these big companies, and they watched the different leadership. And they said that it didn't have to do with somebody being charismatic. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Okay. So you don't have to be a charismatic. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's a different statement. I was like, I was Correct. like, you can't say that charismatic mm -hmm. leaders don't do amazing in business because, no, 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 no. oh it my was gosh. That, like, yeah. It's basically opening the door to people that say, I don't have that charismatic leader. 
that that charismatic natural thing i mean it's like some people have it some people don't have other things and that's why i was saying that naturally i think i've always been i would have to just say that in my code of my personality i come across as an a, a charismatic leader but there's also things that you look back and you're like oh man i don't do that part very well <laughs> I, well i think i think the character flaws are necessary for a really great story oh good one holy smokes that's good yeah. Yeah. Root for the jacked up guy for sure. <laughs> I mean, who like one of, one of my favorite superheroes is Iron Man. He's got all kinds of flaws yeah. because he's alive right now. His name's Elon Musk. <laughs> you are awesome. This, I could go on for a long time. I could tell we jam. This is super cool. You've given in, incredible value. Also some great stories about yourself and how you've gotten here. Sierra, how do they find you? Uh, the best way to find me is on Facebook. I'm, I'm all around. We're about to start putting out reels on like every platform possible or shorts or whatever they're called um, on the platform specific. Um, but you guys can connect with me on Facebook. You'll be able to find me, Sierra Lewick. And just my friends list isn't quite full yet. <laughs> it's getting there, but it's not quite completely full yet. You guys can follow me on there. Um, also Sierra Lewick Consulting. We do have a brand new Facebook group that we've just started recently called Money Making Groups. Um, so you guys can find that on Facebook as well. And um, you'll see my face on the banner for that one, like, or me, whatever. Um, yeah, th those are going to be the best bets. And then if you guys would like, I've got I've got my book and my book is available on Amazon. It's called not a sales book. It's a really simple one that just talks about like viral visibility, like how to actually achieve that. If you're just starting out, it's a really great place to start to just kind of, and it's a quick read too. It's like an hour put, or two. Put you it can up, find that put it up there, put it up sure. there. So can look you can closer. find it on Amazon, but bring it, bring it closer. All right. There you go. Not a sales book. There you go. Perfect. Just a highly profitable method for beating the algorithm with viral content. Um, yeah, here, here's a quote from the front. It says, editing your book is going to make me rich and I'm already implementing the lessons. And um, it was funny because he did. He implemented one of the lessons from inside of the book because I encourage people with everything I teach, like go take action. Like mm -hmm. it, you can learn all the stuff in the world, but if you're not taking action on it, you never actually learn it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it changes the way you think a little bit, like an iota, but how many people have read books or taken courses or had mentors and never accomplished anything? So um, anyways, he, he took one of the principles inside of the book and he actually went and did a post. And for the first time on his personal profile, he had more than 300 comments in less than 24 hours. So yeah, crazy engagement absolutely works. Um, you can find it on Amazon. I also, you could just hit me up or hit someone on my team up and we can give you a copy of that, a PDF copy for free. Happy to do that for your crew. I appreciate you. This has been an incredible episode. Sierra, I hope to have you back again. Thanks again for being a part of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.